On episode 384 of Nintendo Switchcraft, uh, I am joined today by Per Schneider. Uh, he is a co-founder of IGN. You might recognize his voice as one of the voices over on Nintendo Voice Chat, uh, a very popular Nintendo podcast. Uh, he's also the chief content officer over at uh, at IGN, and it just we had a really fun conversation about everything Nintendo and he's a really uh, down to earth guy. And I really appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, if you don't already follow him, make sure that you follow him on Twitter. He's uh, at pair IGN. That's at P E E R I G N over on Twitter. Uh, super, super nice guy. We had a really fun conversation. We talked about a bunch of stuff, including Super Nintendo games might be on the way to the Nintendo Switch. Oh my gosh, it's about time. Uh, is it time to upgrade your Switch? Uh, we've got a retro game coming back to the Nintendo Switch that will probably surprise a lot of people, and I know that I'm excited about it. Plus, somebody found some really cool stuff. Those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Stick around for all your Nintendo news. everybody welcome back to nintendo switchcraft switchcraft is brought to you live well that's a lie because it's not live today i'm recording this uh after the fact we're not doing it live today because i had a guest which i mentioned at the beginning of the show but most of the time it's brought to you live every monday wednesday friday and saturday if you want to tune into the live shows you absolutely can join us over at twitch.tv slash run jump stomp and i want to thank our patrons uh this episode of switchcraft is brought to you and made possible by patrons like Kaylee. Get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar by joining the Patreon over at patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. Uh, without any further ado, we're going to, uh, my interview, with, or, well, it wasn't really an interview. It was more like a co-host. My co-host, Per Schneider, and I are going to tell you all about uh, Nintendo news. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody, I'm going to be speaking on panels at DragonCon, so make sure that you come by if you're going to be in the Atlanta, Georgia area at the end of the year. And if you want more information about where and when you can find me at DragonCon, head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash DragonCon. Without any further ado, let's hear from Per Schneider. And he is the co-host on episode 384 of Nintendo Switchcraft. Hey everybody, I'm here with Per Schneider. Uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the uh, co-founder and uh, chief content officer over at IGN, and he's also known as Reaction Guy Number Four. Hey Per, how's it going? Thanks for coming hey, to the show. You, how are you doing? Thank you for reminding me of the millions of strange little comics that exist on the internet. <laughs> well, okay, I, I know the story because I've heard you talk about it on, on Nintendo Voice Chat, but I'm sure a lot of people who are in my audience have not heard this before. Can you tell us about the Reaction Guy meme and, and exactly what was happening, or is that too long ago to remember? No, no, it's, uh, it, it's something that's been following me for, uh, for more than a decade, obviously. It goes back to... Um, it goes back to E3, actually, where uh, we, uh, you know, we were attending the Nintendo press conference with the whole IGN team, like everybody from the Nintendo side um, of the house. And 
we took a picture and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly. I think we were actually just waiting for the show to start. And one of our coworkers took a picture of us and we look really bored in it. Mm-hmm. And then we used that picture as a reaction to Nintendo's unveiling of Pac-Man versus, if you remember that, I do. where you could play Pac-Man and you had to plug in your GBA. And it was like the most complicated setup. You needed like four cables and all of that to make it work. And, um, we kind of used that as a reaction. It, it probably wasn't a genuine reaction to that moment. And uh, on our message boards, people kept on using that image then as a uh, as a sign of disappointment. And then a year later, right before um, Nintendo was about to reveal Twilight Princess as a kind of like, if you go back to that time, there was this anti-Wind Waker sentiment still lingering. Even though people came around and realized it was a good game, it was like, you know, it wasn't the mature Zelda game people wanted. And so when Twilight Princess was about to be announced, we saw the trailer before the show. We got a heads up on it. We got to see it. We got really excited. They brought back the, you know, the Conan score from the Ocarina of Times trailer and all of that. Mm-hmm. We were super excited. So we took a fake picture of us being excited. It's the, you know, the, ah, like I'm screaming and I have my fists up. <laughs> uh, and it was uh, Craig Harris and Matt Casamassina and Ch- Chad Chambers, our intern at the time in that, in that same picture. So we recreated that, that pose just excited. We put that out there's a teaser on our boards and it just went nuts because people kind of felt that something cool was coming and then I, I can't tell you how it happened it somehow found its way into all these kind of meme forums and uh, somehow traveled to Japan and became this thing that people always use to signify here's something terrible and then here's <laughs> something great kind of like this redemption meme and then it was featured in I mean like it was a cover of a magazine for uh, Attack on Titan it was uh, it's an it's an icon it's like a trophy icon in a video game it's been in anime and manga and everything and I I actually like I went to Japan um, and saw it on a t-shirt in Harajuku as well and so it's it's just it's just out there it's nothing we own or get royalties for it's just something where you know Something silly took off and just took on a life of its own. You bought the T-shirt, right? Uh, I don't have the T-shirt. So I, I actually I saw a photo of the T-shirt, but a friend uh, from Japan sent me stickers with it. So I got the uh, I got the official unofficial stickers from Harajuku. All right. Well, that is the only thing that I wanted to talk to you about All today. Right, so I th- have a great one. No, okay. Uh, so, man, uh, I picked the great day to have you on this podcast because uh, Super Nintendo controllers... Uh, I'm sure that you've heard all about this, the uh, this leak from the patent office or the FCC office with these uh, supposedly Bluetooth Super Nintendo controllers uh, that are uh, possibly on the way for the Nintendo Switch. It was originally found by uh, a Resetera member Link83, I like his name, and, uh, and uh, they've got uh, model HAC042 for the... The model number of the uh, the uh, the Super Nintendo controller, which totally lines up with HAC015, which is the normal Joy-Cons, and then the NAS Joy-Cons are HAC's, HAC033. A pair, do you think that we've got a, a Super Nintendo announcement coming on our way very, very soon? Look, let's be real, right? <laughs> Nintendo eventually was going to run out of NES games and some of Nintendo's greatest games came out during the Super NES era, right? Like as formative as the NES and the 8-bit days were for for the company, 
you know, we're talking about the console that gave us a link to the past, Super Metroid, you know, Mario World, all these amazing hits, Mario Kart, uh, Mario, the, the original Mario Kart, all these great um, titles that, of course, they're going to re-release them again. And what better, you know, console to use as a reward for subscribers because the game files are small, so it's not like you have to download these giant files. They're um, they're not as complicated to emulate as later software. The Super NES, as we all know, is certified the best console of all time by by me. I um, agree. And then the the patent, like sometimes you get patent uh, applications, uh, you get like renewals, and it doesn't mean that the product is actually coming. It just means they want to protect what they have on store shelves. Sometimes it's exploratory stuff, so nobody else can do the same thing. This is so obviously a real thing. You know, you mentioned the uh, the HAC number on it. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is as close to a confirmation that it's a thing um, that you can get now. The question is, what is it? Is it part of Nintendo's online plan where, you know, you can order another set of these or buy them in stores like you could the, uh, you know, the NES and the Famicom controllers? Or is this their digital version of the, there you go, you got them, yeah. of the uh, of the NES Classic, right? Where they have a collection of games and it ships with this thing. I mean, that'd be freaking cool, too. So I don't uh, know. we'll see. Okay. Did you look at the picture? It's kind of like these three like w little weird almost like buttons on the top. Do you think those are the SR and SL buttons? Yeah, let me take a closer look at that, at that guy. Um, no, I, I, I see the, the back of it. Hold on. Yeah, and on the very top, if you're just looking at the back picture, there's like these, these yeah. three bumps across the top, which, you know, I've looked at a, a Super Nintendo controller. I don't see anything like that. Uh, on there and I'm just curious like what would they put there because they had to put L and R buttons on the NES controllers because yeah. they didn't have L and R buttons uh, so but they have L and R buttons on Super Nintendo controllers so what do you think I mean, those are for well first of all you're seeing the interface of connecting it to the switch to charge it right so you've got that whole you've got that whole slider set up at the top, just like with the uh, the NES controllers. But I'm assuming they're the the, the same tiny L and R buttons. Um, yeah, I think it's just a it's just a repeat. I think the middle the middle bump is just the slider. Like oh, look at okay. the NES controller when when you look at it from the back. Do you see there's a little is there's a little hump? See those humps? Yeah. Same thing in the button side in between. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Oh, okay. I was thinking. I misunderstood. I thought that the bumps were buttons, but those are the buttons are depressed into those. That makes they, sense. Sweet. Which means they're not awesomely usable, obviously. <laughs> um, but you know, obviously the the system has shoulder buttons already, unlike the NES controllers, so um, it should be okay. Do you think that? Uh, I mean, we've got the anniversary of Nintendo Switch Online coming up relatively quickly. Do you think that that's uh, the the good place for them to maybe do a Nintendo Direct and at the end say, "Oh, by the way, here's uh, Super Mario World running on your Switch." Yeah, I think now is the time to kind of give people confidence that their subscription that they should renew their subscription. Right? Anybody who who bought it for a twelve month span, I I bet you a lot of people who subscribe and played games like Splatoon and Mario Kart at this point now where, you know, maybe they're not playing Switch Online that much anymore or they're not that excited about some of the NES games that are being released because they may have already played them or they're not the, the top titles. And so I think that would be a perfect time to go, 
yes, we know you might not play some of the, you know, you're not going to play Luigi's Mansion online this fall, but um, here's why you should keep this subscription because look at all the cool games that are coming. Yeah, I totally <laughs> agree with that. Uh, yeah. l listen, retro games, we're talking about retro games. One of my favorite retro games of all time, and I'm doing the show notes a little out of order here. Uh, so sorry about that. But one of my oh. favorite retro games of all time that I grew up playing and I was always terrible at was Bubble Bobble. Uh, yeah. Did you see this uh, this YouTube video this morning that I just added into the show, show notes at the last minute? Sorry. Yeah, just hot off the press. Yeah, no, I saw it too. And I sent a, a message to, uh, to Tom Marks. We're actually recording a Nintendo voice chat today. Casey's already traveling. A lot of people are on their way to Gamescom and are stopping in, in our London office first. But Tom and I are still here and our returning member of NVC, Zach Ryan. Um, and we're, we, we saw this announcement. I sent him a note and said, I'm so excited. I, I really like the Bubble Bobble games. It's just these kind of simple, cute action puzzle games. Um, I, it's it's a weird announcement if you read it first of all it's being developed by taito right the original yeah. creators now I, I don't know who's left at that studio from the original team but it's cool that it hasn't kind of shifted to a completely new studio but then the release it comes out in europe this year and not in the u.s until next year and i'm like what is, what is that how much Why? localization could it possibly need <laughs> Zero, right? Not from obviously not from uh, the UK to the US. So it must be maybe a licensing issue, or you know, maybe they're looking at the the Switch lineup in the US and they feel like it's too crowded in the eShop. Who knows? Yeah, that but that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Especially, I mean, the 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 later half of this year is bananas. There's way too many games. Like, there's going to be a lot of games that I probably would have otherwise bought that yeah. I'm going to take a pass on this year just because there's so much other stuff to play that's coming out, uh, especially with Link's Awakening coming, and I'm, I'm so excited for that game. It's actually, you know, I, I told you right before we started recording, I'm a teacher, and I'm in the middle of summertime, but I'm still looking forward to September uh, because of Link's Awakening, you know, and I'll have to go back to work, but I'll still be playing Link's Awakening. It's, it's I mean, it's going into this year... I was asking, will they have enough to keep people busy? And then now we're we're sitting here and we've got, I mean, we've got Luigi's Mansion, Link's Awakening, Pokemon, and I think we're all still working on Fire Emblem, right? I mean, it's a huge game. My daughter is on playthrough three of wow. that sucker. So it's, um, it's, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool quarter for Nintendo. They don't have a Mario or a Zelda, but Pokemon is their biggest handheld franchise. So I'm really curious to see what that does. Okay, you brought up Fire Emblem, so now we got to talk about it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be angry with you if you give the wrong answer here. Which house did you go with? Uh, Blue Lines. Oh, there's going to be some people. There's going to be a lot of people in my chat who are very happy with what you just said. Uh, yeah. I went Black Eagle and they were all mad at me because I used oh. a random number generator to, to pick. And it said Black okay. Eagle, so that's what I went with. But uh, a lot of uh, people are, are repping Blue Lions. How are okay, you? So how are you enjoying it? Uh, I'm loving it. I think it's just great. And I, I was very worried about this one. So full disclosure, I'm a I'm a Fire Emblem event and Advance Wars, uh, or even Famicom Wars uh, alum. In that I've played, I think I've played every single game in the Fire Emblem series, including you know I used to live in Japan, so I played the I first played the games on the Super Famicom there. Went back to the uh, you know the originals before that. Played all the remakes. 
I love that series, and I'm really into that turn-based combat of, of both Advanced Wars and, um, and Fire Emblem. I was worried about this one because it looked like just a lot of talk and a lot of, a lot of doing everything but battling. Um, I also like the Persona games, though, and so this feels kind of like a, a melding of the two word, worlds. And um, I'm, just, I'm just amazed that at, at the kind of relationship building and how well-defined the characters are, that it becomes a really addictive loop to learn more about them. And it, you know, Fire Emblem games always had this feature where you can recruit somebody to your, uh, to your army, right? In the old ones, it was much more simple. You had to have the right unit talk to the right unit on the battlefield. Now it's all done kind of in between. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm just smitten with this game. I, I just want to keep on playing it. And I'm kind of sad I don't have enough time to go back. Um, Blue Lines, by the way, I, I love knights. I, I love uh, kind of uh, sword fighters, uh, you know, lance attacks and, and all that from the, from the series. And so just the, you know, the kind of the path of upgrading people to, uh, uh, to riding on horseback was enough for me. And I always like starting with units like that because they have a bit more, uh, they, they're more generously endowed in the defense department versus your magicians who kind of, you know, get, get uh, killed by, by a single <laughs> axe or sword or lance attack. How far into the game are you so far? I think I'm like 20, 25 hours in, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, my guess is that after your 20 or 25 hours, you are probably further than I am in my 30 hours because I go into the monastery and like I get quests and I'm trying to figure those out. And I feel like I get, personally, I feel like I get trapped in the monastery for too long and yeah. I need to find a way just, I don't know, maybe I need to read some guides or something. Uh, but I need to find a way to speed up that part. But the battling, the moments when you are sitting there and you're playing through on the battlefield and like one of your one of your uh, units is down to one hit point. That yeah. is so terrifying and awesome at the oh. same time. I just I adore Fire Emblem and it, it's it's fantastic. So I yeah, completely really agree. Good. I'm playing it on, on hard with permadeath. Oh, that's gutsy. Um, so it, it's, I mean, the, the game does get more difficult, but it has a pretty easy start compared to past Fire Emblems. Like the hard here is really more like the normal in, in previous games. Um, but I think you need to have the confidence that you can go to the, you can go to the school and not do everything, right? Like you get your lost items and stuff, but you know, it's, it's cool, especially if you're playing on normal where you can actually grind battles. Um, you don't have to do all that stuff and you should feel the confidence to say, you know what, this weekend I'm just going to rest to build up, you know, get get my sword power back or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it is it, it can be very dangerous if you get trapped in the loop of saying, OK, I've got five lost items. I'm going to figure out each person. You like talk to each one of them. It, it can get a little bit fetch questy wrote, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Real quick, did you end up? I mean, I know that you have access to these in your offices, but did you end up uh, upgrading to the new version of the Switch, or are you sticking with the old one? So I did not. I mean, first of all, you should know I'm I'm a dad of three kids, right? So there are four Switches in my house. Mm -hmm. um, anytime you upgrade anything, the kids go what? <laughs> you know, like when you get an Xbox One X or you get a PS4 Pro or something. That is my lot in life. Um, I don't think they're very aware of the upgrade, honestly. My boys are more into PC games right now. But what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to Japan in September and I'm going to pick up one of the uh, one of the Disney special edition 
switches. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of hit, killing two birds with one stone. I'm getting my beloved limited edition Joy-Con as well as what I'm assuming will be the upgraded hardware because it hasn't been released yet. It's got to be the new chipset um, because I feel like I kind of it kind of irks me to have to spend the full price for this battery upgrade. And I also pre-ordered the, uh, the light, um, <laughs> which so, color, hold on, which color yellow. Okay. Which is the least popular one, according to a poll we, we ran and you people are all crazy. <laughs> um, I love, I love the kind of like crazy bold colors that you get with the switch. And I like, I just feel like I've, gray is boring. So, um, I, I wanted, uh, one of the colorful ones. If you're a collector, the Pokemon edition, of course, is a smarter choice because it'll be more limited in the end. But I, I don't know. I just really like the way yellow looks. It reminds me of my, my Game Boy Color. Oh, yeah, Pokemon of course. Pikachu edition, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I am, I'm currently like thinking about it. I haven't made the decision yet. I, the thing is, is it seems like the, currently GameStop is offering uh, $225 if you trade in uh, a Nintendo Switch. And yeah. that means you you can get the new one, the up the I hate to say upgraded version. I like yeah. to say revised version because it doesn't it's not really an upgrade. It plays the same games. But I, I currently am like, maybe I should do this, uh, even though I don't really play outside of the dock too much. Yeah, because uh, I think that that's a good deal. But do you it's think that, that it is a great deal? But do you think you're going to be able to get more later because it has this one has the chipset that uh, is a little more hackable? Uh, well, I, I think they, they fixed that exploit in software, even though there was a lot of brouhaha over it not being fixable. So I, I don't think the difference is that big unless you kind of keep your original OS and never update the, the system. I wouldn't keep it for that. No, I, look, I, I think there'll be a revision to the switch, you know, next year again, because, uh, you know, ever since, uh, Apple arrived on the scene and proved that they could resell phones every year and get people to upgrade often i think you know the console makers are also playing that game microsoft revised their their console twice already this generation and there'll be smaller upgrades coming no doubt too to make the the manufacturing cheap um you can i feel like i think way like if really if battery is super important to you um if you travel a lot and you don't want to log, log around some big battery charger then i think it's worth it but I wouldn't buy it just because of FOMO. You know, it's like there you can wait a couple of months and there'll be some great special edition with super duper Joy-Con or something. You can hang on to the current one if you have a good charger already that you carry around. You are really up on the terms. Yesterday, my daughter said yeah. FOMO and I said, mm. what the hell is FOMO? And ah. then she had to explain it to me, and I was like, okay. And then here, I'm glad that she explained it to me because now Pear Schneider is uh, using it, and I would have been like, I don't know what he's talking about. And then uh, <laughs> I would have been confused. Well, it's because I personally, I, you know, um, I kind of get caught up in that stuff. Like, I don't need a switch light. I really don't. Me either. I just... I just thought, like, I have every every console exists four times in my house. Like, <laughs> I don't need a smaller version that's less good with uh, with Joy-Con I can't remove. And yet, you know, here I am. I feel like I have to uh, I have to get it because it's a special edition. And I have a collection of, of Nintendo consoles, too. So I have, you know, I have everything from the 6040D to three Game Boy Micros and all that. So there is this kind of 
there's this kind of FOMO factor of maybe thinking they'll be sold out and you will never get them again and all that. I can, I mean, look behind me. You can see all the crap on the shelves behind me. I, I can uh, totally understand probably. that. Uh, so uh, let's, let's take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to uh, discuss... Uh, some really, really old stuff that was unearthed and Nintendo putting the hammer down on some uh, YouTubers. Be right back. It's two-player fun on the split screen. Only for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power. Superpower. All right, we're back with Pear Schneider. And Pear, did you see this story about the animation cells? So I didn't see this yet. Oh, I've man, been, this is cool. Honestly, I've been heads down. We're, we're planning for Gamescom next week, which is five days of live streaming which is the most we've ever done that's longer than e3 so wow. um, yeah so I'm, I'm taking a look at it now well that's if good. if did you watch the show ever uh, you, you might have been uh, like I, I, I was the perfect age to watch this but i think you're a little older than i am yeah thanks no uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i i did not a little wiser than i am i think is the right term okay that's nice <laughs> I uh, know uh, I didn't watch the show. I obviously know off it, but um, that's really cool. Uh, that's a lot of cells out there. I, I have a couple of cells as well, but not of this show, unfortunately. So what we're looking at is some some um, cartoon cells or what are they called? Yeah. Something um, animation cells. There we go. Yeah. Uh, from the L. Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was this cartoon that ran in the 90s alongside Captain N, the Game Master. And uh, they had like uh, Captain Lou Albano like dress up as Mario in live action stuff. Uh, and then they ran this cartoon in between. And I just I love this old stuff like this. And they somebody found over 200 uh, Super Show and Super Mario Brothers Brothers 3 animation cells. Uh, and that, that's I just thought it was really cool. And if you want to check out the uh the the images from this make sure that you go to uh runjumpstomp.com and follow the link in the show notes for episode 384 and then you can see these really cool uh animations you said you have animation cells yourself what are they from yeah so um i have um what do i have i have a couple uh, i have some of the original kind of like the uh, the pencil uh, uh, sketches, uh, some cleanup, some pre-cleanup of some classic Disney stuff. Like I have the, uh, the terror, the, uh, the pterosaurs from Fantasia. Mm. Um, I've got the dragon from Sleeping Beauty, which is freaking awesome. Malefic Ma Maleficent. Mm -hmm. Um, the, but not the cells. The cells are pretty pricey. I wish I had those. But then I, uh, when I lived in Japan, I went to a store called Mandarake, um, they kind of specialize in collectibles and I went through their boxes and this is in the nineties when nobody cared <laughs> and I got, I got all sorts of stuff like, uh, I have Dragon Ball Z and, um, you know, now obviously a lot of animation has moved to digital. So this kind of stuff doesn't exist anymore, but, um, yeah, I picked up a good 30 Japanese animation cells and there are a couple of shows I've yet to be able to identify, honestly, um, because they weren't, they weren't marked very clearly. So I might have to post them someday to get people to look at them. That's awesome. And and uh, for those of you who are wondering, he's at Pear, P-E-R-E-I-G-N uh, -E -E on Twitter, so you can follow him there. And yeah. uh, then, you know, if he posts those, then you can tell him what, what the heck it's from. Yeah, they're a whole bunch. Like some, some look like, uh, was it Mukashi Banashi is like this uh, Japanese kids animated series um, with kind of like spooky tales. So, so there's definitely something like that in there too. 
Uh, real quick, before we uh, get to the feedback section, we've got a quick story about uh, Nintendo uh, hitting uh, at Gilva Sunner, who hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. They are they basically take Nintendo music and repost it, which you know is definitely against the rules. You're not supposed to do it. And Nintendo came down on them and hit them with many, many, many copyright strikes. And some people are upset about this because Nintendo doesn't give us any way to actually pay them to listen to the music. So uh, basically, Nintendo says, it's okay if you want to stream stuff. You just got to make sure that you're actually doing fair use and not just taking our work and uploading it, which I think is completely fair. But do you think Nintendo is... I mean, recently we saw Square Enix say, here's all of our stuff on Spotify. Do you think Nintendo is going to do that anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised to see this happen now and so late. Uh, you know, Nintendo's kind of infamously hasn't had the best policies when it comes to you know supporting streamers and YouTubers, and you know they're 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 so protective of the IP that they wanted to control a lot of it. Um, you know, unless you get white labeled or you're an ambassador for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I wonder if this is a sign of them cracking down a little bit more because they have something in the works like maybe they've got some music collections that they want to do they have talked about doing more cross-media stuff more licensing stuff obviously they're working with movie studios so maybe they're just kind of clamping down because they want to own um you know the music distribution a little bit more i think that's a good point but i think more what it is it's like they just they released super smash brothers and uh you know, there's a lot of music in there, and one of the attractions is to be able to relive all the, the classic franchises. And maybe as part of that, they started to crack down, and maybe Man, we just haven't heard of it that much. That, that is something that is so Nintendo that they would say, sure, you can listen to a lot of our music if you pl- listen to it on, on, on Smash. I mean, we, they even put in a mode yep. where you can turn off the screen, but nobody wants to listen that way. Uh, well, okay, I don't want to listen that way. Do you? Yeah, no, I don't. But more importantly, I think I think what's you know what's important to note, like we tend our our knee jerk reactions, of course, to to side with a, a YouTuber, right? This is not somebody who's doing this as a business. You know, he's maybe doing this for the love of the music. From a rights holder perspective, if you don't enforce your rights, you can lose mm-hmm. them, right? It's as simple as that. And um, we. Uh, we have to deal with this too. We can't just take a trailer a publisher puts out and put it on IGN. Uh, you know, we sometimes have to hold uh, hold them, not publish, get permission. Um, you know, much to the ire of our fans who are saying, "When are you going to post this?" But you know, every every company has different policies, um, and that's certainly the case with music as well. Where you know, sometimes you'll notice our our review of games don't have the music from the game in it. They actually have uh, different music, like licensed music that we pay for, that we put in the reviews and the features simply because of the the complicated licensing issues with, with uh, sound. Yeah, I will say this. I got a review copy of um, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, and mm-hmm. I really like what they did. They included uh, a little checkbox so that when you stream it or when you make a YouTube video about it, it says, hey, you, you, you know, no, no uh, stream safe music so that it takes out anything that's going to get you copyright banned. Uh, and I think that that or a copyright check. I think that that's a really good solution. And I wish more developers would do that, although that means that they got to have like two sets of music, which is uh, an added cost. Yeah, no, that's that, that's pretty cool for sure. 
I mean, uh, the uh, the only other thing is, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to find a pattern, but it looks like they're just going after all music. I was just wondering if they're including some soundtrack with one of their special editions, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, so. Uh, before we get uh, to the feedback, if you want to give feedback to the show at Run Jump Stomp on Twitter, uh, runjumpstomp at gmail.com, or if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment down the section down below. Uh, we've got three pieces of feedback from people today. Uh, Jay writes, uh, with re okay, so recently I was talking about how somebody was complaining that a lot of the games that are in or some of the games that are in the bestseller list on the eShop are games that are on sale for like less than a buck, things like that. And they were like, I don't know if that's really the best way. Maybe they should uh, stop them from doing that. And so I was talking about that on the show and I got this uh, message from Jay. They said, with regards to games on sale ending up on bestsellers, uh, there is an easy fix. If the game is sold at 50% off, then it only counts as half a copy sold. How do you feel about that, Pear? I think that's silly. Yeah. Uh, look, this is the 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 kind of the strategy where a publisher or developer cuts cost of a game in order to rise up in automated rankings is age old, right? It's something that mm -hmm. a lot of mobile developers have done in the App Store. They even made their games for free. Um, we used to have a program where we gave away free iOS games in partnership with a developer every month, and they didn't do that because they love the world or they love us. It's because it, it gets people to download the game, which then spikes them up in the rankings. And when you're in the rankings, there's this halo effect of people purchasing the title because they, they see it as a recommendation. Look, I, I think like if, if somebody, if a developer is willing to take the hit to go from like 10 bucks to one buck or something, and they rise up in the ranks and they pick up some additional sales. That's fine, right? Like it's that it's a strategy. If that works, they took a hit on the actual, uh, you know, they took a hit on the actual cost of the game. They're making less money, getting it higher in the rankings, and then they make a little bit more money afterwards. I think it's fair game. Um, I think consumers need to like just look at all the different factors that drive sales, and I, I think it's pretty clear to a lot of people that. Some of the what was the game where you like cut the you you uh, cut Tim the law Timberman so versus that game's a dope Timberman versus right like I would have never known about that game unless it had popped up in the uh, in the top ten there in the in the uh, in the store and like I was immediately able to see okay it's a it's because it's a buck right now it's super cheap um, yeah I think that's fair game it's like it's a strategy no I I agree I I think that that's fine what about this uh, Eric Smith writes in. Uh, wouldn't it help if you were given an option to rate the game after purchase? That way people could see if the game was good, even if it was inexpensive. I'd be okay with a thumbs up, thumbs down option thoughts. And um, I will say this, Nintendo kind of gave us the option for a very short time, and mm -hmm. then they kind of took it away. Uh, do you think that's coming back anytime soon, Pear? I feel like, you know, as they develop the, you know, the eShop more, I feel like a user feedback mechanism is a given. Uh, it's not just helpful for consumers, um, but it can obviously also deter purchases. But it's uh, it's also because um, they gather data, right? Like if if the company knows what you like, they'll be more effective at showing you um, affinity data uh, choices, like games that are, if you like a game and I like a game, we have a connection now and they might recommend the, the game that I like that you don't know about yet, right? Like they, they're mm -hmm. able to data mine us like that. So I think, yeah, of course it's going to come back in some fashion. Uh, the thumbs up, thumbs down thing, um, you know, 
I don't know. Maybe it, I, I think sometimes companies struggle with a value rating that is a deterrent to purchasing. You saw Netflix completely upending their rating system and giving us something that I feel like is not helpful at all because I like the transparency of seeing nuance. Like, did people love this or did they like this or did they think it was okay? And this is completely removed in Netflix. And so I would love five-star ratings or 10-point ratings or something like that. It's more useful for me, but also um, I realize Nintendo doesn't like that because suddenly you have a game that has three out of ten and people are not going to purchase it. <laughs> I, I totally understand what you're saying there. Uh, we got one more piece of feedback. This one comes from Leonard Strauss. They said, is there an ETA on Mario Maker 2 Friends Patch? My brothers and I have made levels for each other to play, but sending a code and asking what they thought would not be nearly as fun as playing along with them, hanging back and laughing maniacally. Uh, and I totally agree. This I almost didn't get uh, Super um, Super Mario Maker two when it first came out because I was like, I'm gonna wait for that patch. Um, but man, it seems like I'd be waiting a long time. Do you think you think this is gonna happen anytime soon, or is this something that uh, I almost forgot about it because the game was so damn good? I, I I think so. I think we'll get get this. You know, if you look at how Mario Kart 8 developed and Splatoon developed, right? There were some real limitations at launch. I mean, with Mario Kart, a mode that many of us considered to be our favorite, right? Battle mode wasn't even part of the uh, you know the original release, and like. This feature seems very core to what makes Mario Maker fun. It's to kind of get it, not just get get your work not just to people, but people you care about and you care to hear their opinions off. I feel like this this feature fell victim to what they call minimum viable product or MVP in the development space, where you look at all of the things that are necessary to make something a success or make something a uh, you know positively received, and then there are a couple of features you want to get in that you just can't if you want to develop it, uh, uh, release it on a, on a certain deadline. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this one is a feature that it didn't catch them by surprise that people said they wanted it. Um, they just couldn't get it in, so I bet they started working on it the moment they, uh, they finished testing the original release. That's fair. So, what's pair up to these days? What What do you uh, What do you tell me? What What's What's going What's going on? Well, I uh, you know as you as you uh, as you said, I've been with IGN for a long time, over twenty years. Um, I oversee the the content department, so video, editorial, social. Um, right now, what I'm working on is figuring out how we cope with all these different platforms that we put our content on. Uh, you know, we used to be a, a website and it was very easy to upload content to your website and run it. And then we added, you know, we added audio podcasts. We added a Snapchat daily edition that's custom and completely different from our website. We started a YouTube channel. We're, we're on TikTok now. Oh so I'm trying to figure out how do we support all these different platforms, all these different audiences? Because if we screw up, like, you know, on Snapchat, if we don't publish a day, that's two million people we don't reach. Um and so it's uh, it's kind of like how do we do that without you know without working ourselves to death and uh, not being able to sleep at night? And then I just took on um, uh, oversight over our product department at IGN. And one thing I'm I'm going to work on is how to give people a reason to go to the IGN website, right? Like if you're into video, you can just go to our YouTube channel and just watch content there, never to go to the website. And so. I'm working on some really cool features. Hopefully the first set will be done before the end of the year um, that kind of play to 
that let people do different things on the website they can't do on our YouTube, YouTube channel, on Facebook, or Twitter. Oh, that sounds That'll awesome. And then you yeah. said you're recording Nintendo Voice Chat later on today? We're recording NVC today. Um, you know, Casey usually hosts the show. Uh, Tom Marks is jumping in for today because Casey's on her way to Gamescom. And then I'm not leaving until Gamescom, uh, to Gamescom until uh, uh, Friday. Uh, so Tom Marks is hosting, and I think Zachary Ryan, who used to be on the show, is uh, joining us again. Uh, he left us for a couple of months to work at Ubisoft, and uh, you know I'm happy to announce that he's back here, and he will drive you nuts on NVC like he used to. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. And then, and then it's Gamescom time, right? We're, we're the official studio partner of Gamescom. That means we'll have a uh, presence on the show floor. So if any of your listeners are going to Gamescom, definitely swing by. There'll be a glass box with us in it. Please say hi. Don't be shy. Um, I'm rhyming today. And uh, <laughs> if you can make it to Gamescom, which is sad because it's freaking awesome. It's a great show in Cologne, Germany. 400,000 people. This is really scary. Wow. Um, but we will be uh, uh, broadcasting content live from the show floor. So you'll get to see game demos of new games. You know, we'll see what uh, what Nintendo brings. You know, we definitely will have um, them on as well. And Maybe see some new footage of some of the upcoming games. And where can people find all things Per Schneider? Uh, easiest way to find me and to reach me is on Twitter. It's just Per IGN. Per is P-E-E-R, capital letters I-G-N. Um, you can message me there. I, I look at my DMs as well. I've got open DMs. Twitter does the crazy filtering thing, so sometimes it takes me a week or two to get back to you. But, you know, if you've got any questions, um, you know, I'm always open to hearing feedback there as well. Uh, that's the easiest way to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Awesome. No, thanks for having me. This was fun. Awesome. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one. And that's our show for today. If you want to become a part of the community, join us by going over to runjumpstomp.com slash discord. There's hundreds of people over there. They're all really, really fun people. And make sure that you get in there. Give them a high five. Again, runjumpstomp.com slash discord. Join the nerd nest and have a ball. Uh, you can also watch the show live at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Get a hold of me by emailing me, runjumpstomp at gmail.com, or you can reach out on Twitter at runjumpstomp. Use the hashtag Nintendo Switchcraft so I know which show you're talking to. If you are looking for ways to support the show, stop by runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. And for more content like this, go over to runjumpstomp.com slash shows. The music that you are hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. Thank you very much to Per Schneider for being on the show. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.